AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and every body. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing. With so many fun things happening this spring, like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour, it's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. I feel like covering this, there's really only one appropriate song that none of us have the licensing to play, but it's to live and die in LA. The only one that could save us now is Tupac. Because I don't know nobody that spawned black and brown unity in Los Angeles better. There's nobody we agree on over more. He is the patron saint of all of our streets. And the man ain't even born here. <laughs> but to live and die in L.A. Is, is, is the only appropriate song right here. It's City of Angels in Constant Danger. You know what I'm saying? Like. Uh, we might fight amongst each other, but I promise you this, we burn this bitch down, get us pissed to live and die in LA, my angel sing. It's just, it's only Pac right now. And I'm landing on this last quote. It wouldn't be LA without Mexicans, black love, brown pride in the sets again. It's LA. It's been a long 40 years to figure out how to really live on top of each other and to live well. And in one fell swoop, we saw streets, immigration, and politics merge into one nasty ass tape from the LA City Council. Let's talk about it. Hood politics, y'all.
All right. So, obviously, this particular story hits home in ways that many of these stories don't because this my hood. This is my home. This is not far away. We directly connected to these people, to these cities, to these areas, and to the power these people were brokering. If you don't know, uh, which is crazy because I can't believe how this mug has really made national news. So LA City Council Chair Nuri Martinez was on this call with Gil Cedillo and Kevin DeLeon, who is like, and Kevin DeLeon was really hurts. Is like he's 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 the like quasi progressive one out here. You know what I'm saying? Was on this tape that was secretly recorded, and we could do another thing about like was this snitching appropriate or important? But um, where they were just speaking freely about consolidating Latino power and Latino votes, and you know when you speaking freely. Now look, this gonna sound like I'm giving her a pass, but I trust me, I am not because of how personal. I have no choice but take this. But, you know, when you with the homies, sometimes you kind of put a little extra salsa on your tacos. You know what I'm saying? Like my mom would say, add some mustard, you know what I mean, to your story. And you might speak a little more reckless than you normally would when you just know, you know what I'm saying? You just with the homies and you know, they supposed to know you don't mean it. Or even if you do, they're supposed to go, uh, you you nasty, you supposed to just laugh it off. You know what I'm saying? But no, for real, no, serio. Like, but it's cool. Because it's like, you know you would never say this stuff in public because that would blow the whole shit up. But maybe it is inside your heart. Who knows? But anyway, they were discussing their plans about, if you haven't heard this already, their plans about consolidating Latino votes in South LA. Right. They're bringing up certain people, and Miss Nuri Martinez made a couple offhand comments about other council members who, you know... One dude, she was like, fuck that guy. Like, he's with the blacks, right? And this man has adopted a, a young um, young black band, to which she called a chonguito, uh, which is like a little monkey. And then she made these other comments about indigenous people in Mexico, like Oaxacan uh, indigenous people. And I don't know if, again, you're not from this part of town, so maybe you don't know. I don't know how often you've been in Mexico, but like, they are, in fact, very little, like just just in stature. They are they're just small. But there is and I'm, I'm going to get into a lot of this this later, because, again, I've been around this culture from like anybody else in L.A. for around our, our whole life. But there is a, a lot of like colorism and racism towards the more indigenous looking Mexicans among Mexicans. You know what I'm saying? There's even a phrase called, oh, it's Indio proof, like it's Indian proof, which basically means it's like it's like a child safety lock. Like it's too hard to open. Basically, like Indians are too stupid to be able to open this. So it's like, oh, it's Indian proof. Like that's just a saying among them. There's some there's obviously there's like an internalized racism. Now, don't get me wrong, I ain't gonna poke only at them because black people got our own colorism we gotta deal with. But she used a bunch of terms that unfortunately, are not unheard of among the Mexican community. Chonguito, you know, the, the thing about this, and then being with the blacks. Anytime you say the blacks, it's like, oh, nigga, you right. There's no way to cut that one. You know what I'm saying? Like, because that's just, this is right. Anyway, so it leaked. And to my joy, my absolute joy, 
the LA Latino community went ham and was like, nah, homie, fuck that. Nigga, fuck that. That's an old Kendrick reference. Uh, Section 88. But they were just like, nah, fam, she got to go. All y'all got to go. That shit, we don't let that shit ride no more. We've evolved, which is like such an amazing thing to say that LA Latinos confronted their own racism among this. Okay, uh, future me here. So for most of this recording, I don't do a lot of like switching between Latino, Latina, Latine, Latinex. I don't switch that because mainly I was just kind of just talking. I don't mean anything by it. I want to make sure I'm speaking to y'all with the, the respect level that y'all deserve as far as your gender neutral terms. Also understand, and obviously this ain't no excuse, that there is still discourse around what y'all prefer. My wife says that like, if you're a native Spanish speaker, Latinx just doesn't grammatically make sense. Like it don't roll off the tongue. It's, it's a much more academic term. That being said, yeah, you, you, you tell me what y'all prefer. But anyway, I just wanted to point that out here. And she stepped down as chair, which means she ain't lead a council. The thing about you gotta understand, again, going back to Tupac, we might fight amongst each other, but I promise you this. She, he was making a reference to the LA riots. We will burn this bitch down. When I tell you the city rolled up to that city council meeting and was like, one of my favorite, one of my favorite clips is this troll. I was like, uh, I just would like to say basically like, Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, you're cool, fuck you. Like, she just lit them all up and was like, this whole shit is a sham. How dare you talk about our community like this? You only got the power we gave you. She just lit them niggas up because you have to understand, won't play that shit no more. So anyway, the tape leaked, city in an uproar, calling them to resign. But it brought up a number of things that is the perfect cross-section of the Black and Latino coalition that has taken a good 30 or 40 years to develop and really just how fragile it is how far we gotta go to make this thing really crack so that's the context of this let's talk about black love brown pride all right let's go let's go So obviously I'm black, but I don't know how familiar you are with my work and my backstory. Maybe this is the first podcast you jumped into, but my wife, first gen Mexican, grew up on, you know, Huntington Park, which is South LA on the east side. I also born in South Central, but on the east side of South Central, I grew up on the borderlands of the black and Latino neighborhoods. And then I moved to an area called the San Gabriel Valley, a city called Valinda. It could have you could have called it Valinda, La Puente, city of if, if you're familiar with LA, it's like basically I grew up in a 
When I say 100% Mexican space, sprinkle with a Filipino community. Like I just like the part of town I was in was, it was, I grew up in a Mexican environment. You know, that's just, it's where I'm from. You know, I did high school in the suburbs, you know, which was very diverse, very multicultural, but then my parents were split by then. And I kind of lived half the time with my dad back in La Puente and you know, my grandmother was still in South Central, still on the east side. Either way, the point I'm trying to make is this is coming from lived knowledge and marital experience and historical. I wanted to have my wife come on here and actually do this part, but she's on a hike and she just got promoted uh, at her job. So she's like, I'm busy. But anyway, here we go. I'm trying to give context to history for these types of statements. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. Are you looking to build this year? If so, there is no better time than right now to start planning and to get your spot on the construction schedule. If you need a garage, a stall barn, a storage for vehicles, RV, boat, collectibles, or even a a shop for your farm, hobbies, or car restoration projects, visit MortonBuildings.com and start your construction process. With superior materials, craftsmanship, best-in-class warranty, Morton Buildings are made to last for generations. At Morton, the difference is in the details. From their cutting-edge innovations to their craftsmen in the field, they are dedicated to surpassing expectations. Their legacy of excellence spans more than 120 years, and Morton Buildings is 100% employee-owned with more than a quarter million satisfied customers. That means they're the industry leader you can trust. When you choose Morton, you'll experience quality at every step of the building process, starting before the walls even go up. Visit mortonbuildings.com to get started today that Miss Martinez had made. When you come from Los Angeles, like the experience as a person who's non-Latino, looking at the Latino community in relation to the rest of the world, if you will, like there's no strata of class, education, power that Latinos are not in. It's not like they're only poor. Does that make sense? It's like sometimes you go to places and it's like the only ones, like they are not the only ones working, but they don't leave working class. Like in the sense that, for example, the dude standing out in front of the Home Depot that are down to be a day laborer, the people picking the strawberries, but also your school principal, but also your college professor. There's an area in Downey, you know what I'm saying, which is mostly Cuban, if you will, but like that's like 
Hollywood level Beverly Hills Latinos. You know, you have East LA Latinos, gang banging, cholo, lowrider, you know what I'm saying? You have that, but then you also have Montebello, you know what I'm saying? Which is right next to East LA, which is on a hill and they're doctors. Like, so you have this full stratification of Mexicans. So you don't just, they're not just these hidden migrant farm workers in LA. They're everybody. That's just, they are just a normal part of your society, like as it should be. That being said, if you black, that's the same as black people. It's like, yo, majority of us are poor. We know we facing racism, but also Miss Williams was my third grade teacher, but also you got the King Drew Center. You know what I'm saying? You also got Thomas Dorsey. You got all these like other examples of where we have stratified culture, but we know we've done it because it's our own experience. In spite of all of the hindrances and history of redlining and racism, but we're like, but but because of that, we know why we're in South Central. We know why we're in Watts. Like we understand that. I'll get to that. Let me stay here and talk about the Latino experience. So outside looking in, they gangbang and they corporate, just like us. So they in jail right next to us. They in the projects right next to us. You feel me? They do the jobs that don't nobody else want to do. You know what I'm saying? You, we looking out and you like, yeah, nobody work harder than Mexicans. Like, you know that. So when you hear stuff about like them stealing your jobs, like when you black, you like, nigga, they ain't stealing nothing. You don't want to do that job. Nigga, neither do I though. So you looking, again, I'm, I'm going through history here, right? So you, 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 this is your, this is your experience with them. Now, what you don't realize if you're not in their culture is that, first of all, all of them ain't Mexican. <laughs> Some of them niggas is El Salvadorian. You just don't know that because if you, again, if you outside, you know, if you outside of their culture, they just look the same, speak the same language. You don't know no difference. You don't realize that the Papusaria, that's a whole ass other country. You feel me? Like you just you don't know that, right? Uh, I'm laughing because it's funny in the sense of from a black perspective where you're like, oh, y'all different. You know what I'm saying? It's ridiculous. Of course they are. And also some of them are first-gen immigrants. Now, again, visually speaking, you know, and sonically, again, if you're looking into the community, it's like in, in, in your experience, you usually growing up with somebody, if you my age, the person you growing up with is like second, third, fourth gen. They speak Spanglish, you know, llame para atrás, you know, vamos a la maquerta, which are like, Phrases that don't exist in Mexico or or your homies don't even speak Spanish, but they understand it. You feel me? Because they grandmama only speaks Spanish because they grandma was the one that migrated or they got a cousin. You know what I'm saying? Who dress a little funny and it's a little funny to us because he's not American and because they poor. You feel me? Like so. So and they have a different sense of style. These fools don't listen to like. Lowriders. They don't listen to lowrider. They don't listen to old soul. They're not listening to oldies. You know, rest in peace, Art LeBeau. You feel me? Like, you do your Googles, right? So they're not singing I'm Your Puppet. And, you know what I'm saying? They're not from that. They're singing Chente. They're into Gloria Tavin because they from Mexico. And on top of all that, your homie make fun of his own cousin. He calling him Chunti and Paisa. You know what I'm saying? Like, they got their own jokes about people who, like, you know, who just recently here and then and, and talk like a little more Mexican in culture. You feel me? Like he's saying he's a paisa, you know? And you know, el este nopal on su frente, like which like this fool's got like a cactus on his forehead. Basically, like he just got here. Like y'all got y'all own jokes. So there there's this 
full sort of gambit of type of Mexican, if you will, that exists in California. And unless you out there with them, you kind of just don't know. Now, within that community is, you know, you got Telemundo television stations, you got Una Vision. And if you ask anybody who's got a little bit of social awareness or consciousness among the Latino community, whose family had that TV on, those channels on all day, those channels are full of colorism. They're remarkably prejudiced. They only got, they put the light-skinned ones up front. They make, they their understanding, and, and my wife attested this, the way that they're covering the news especially about black people is from an outsider perspective. So all they know is the stories that are piped into them from mainstream American media, right? And when they come here as a people, Mexican, when they come here as a people, they land in the projects. So they only understanding of black people is this. So they begin to map on their understanding of American black people to the same colorism that come from their own country. Because again, anti-blackness is a global situation here. So you map on a lot of those prejudices that come from Mexico. You like you you gotta remember the slave trade was went everywhere. It went all over, up and down the Americas. Mexico and Central America got black people. Of course it does. And again, your indigenous Mexican, Mexica, you feel me? Like I said earlier. The Oaxacan, Jalisco, like these natives, they're very small and they're very dark, right? So they already have this colorism that exists in their culture that they come from. And it's easy to map that colorism onto the black community when they get here. Is that? I'm checking it for understanding as if you actually uh, in the room with me, but I'm gonna pause for a second to see if that makes sense to you. Now, having said that, when you're the, again, your mama, your grandmama come in here and they land in the Imperial Courts projects in Watts on the border of Watts and Compton. You know what I'm saying? When you got here in the 60s, in the 70s, like understand that Los Angeles, especially South Central, was 80% black. This was a hub for us. Now I'll get to why that was in the next segment because I'm still speaking about the Latino community. But When you get here, you know, they had to work their way through and had to deal with their own internalized colorism and racism and stuff like that. And no signs in their language and people who who were here already, you know, Latinos who were here, Mexicans who were here already, who are now fourth and fifth generation and don't speak their language, you know, don't speak the language of their mother tongue. You feel me? And on purpose, because, again, going back to. You know, again, with the Latino experience, if you had an accent, just because this was a white dominant world, if you had an accent, you were treated like a second class citizen. So they didn't want their kids to have accents because why the hell do you come to America anyway, except for you to have greater opportunities? You're going to lose your opportunities if you sound 
like you can't speak the language. So parents would purposefully not teach their kids Spanish, you know what I'm saying, to give them a leg up. And not only that, so they could keep talking amongst themselves freely, you feel me? And their kids don't know what they're talking about, you know what I'm saying? So like you can talk shit about your children and talk right in front of them, they don't understand the language, which feels like a superpower. You know, I see why they did it. But, you know, four or five generations later, you know, you have people that, they're like, we're Chicano. Like, we are from Los Angeles. Like, Chicano is a whole different experience. That is Mexican-American. You feel me? So it's the same and the same to me. It's like black people and Africans. Like, y'all are different people. I know we are. the. It's the diaspora. I know I come from that. But let me not pretend, you know what I'm saying? Black people used to pick a language. You'd be like, it's Swahili. Okay, that's one. <laughs> Everything ain't Swahili, dog. That's one region in Africa. Well, no, we just giving y'all our best guess as to where we are, where we from in Africa. You know what I'm saying? Like, your people may not even speak Swahili. It's a Kente cloth. What part of the Kente cloth? What part of Africa that from? You don't know. You know what I'm saying? It's because we don't know. Like, we're so separated from our history. It's not, it's different than Mexican experience, which is like, a lot closer, unless you like four or five generations later. You, you know what I'm saying? And you, you know, you may know your great, 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 great grandma from Durango, but you ain't never been unless you have. Because probably your cousin's still there and he come every summer to come work, right? Or you mess around, get in trouble, which is happening all the time. You mess around, start getting in trouble. They send you to stay with your Theo in Chihuahua, you know what I'm saying? And so the homie Paco be gone all summer. Why? Because he got to go back to Mexico to work with his because he started getting in trouble. Like, this this was our experience. You feel me? Um, so that being said, they already have their colorism in there. So when you go back to the statement that Miss Martinez made about the natives, for that generation, for like our parents, our grandparents' generation, they say racist shit like that. Yeah, shit like mayate just rolls off these fools' tongue, which is more like a cuss word. And then shit like this, like I have vivid memories of fools, you know, referring to me like in the streets as like Yanta, which is tire. Why do you call him tire? Because you black. Like this, like it's wild, man. Like real racism used to like for real be in a community. You know what I'm saying? Like they do it and they have for a while. It's taken just like white people. It, it It's taken generations to be like, Man, y'all can't, like, that's some bullshit. Like, you can't be talking about your own people like that, you know? And and it's, and it has, like I said, it has changed. That's some shit that, like, my wife and our kids, they don't stand for shit like that. It's a whole other conversation about Mexican people saying nigga. That's a whole other conversation that's about hip-hop and stuff like that. That's a whole other talk, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's different. This isn't, which is, it's also different because this ain't New York. We have Puerto Ricans and Afro Latinos. Like we, that that's not something that happens in LA. Dominican, like that's not something that happens out here. That's different. Anyway, whole other conversation. Now, as far as the chonguito, which just means again, little monkey. Now, when me and my wife got married, calling your kids in Mexican culture. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. Are you looking to build this year? If so, there is no better time than right now to start planning and to get your spot on the construction schedule. If you need a garage, a stall barn, a storage for vehicles, RV, boat, collectibles, or even a a shop for your farm, hobbies, or car restoration projects, visit MortonBuildings.com and start your construction process. With superior materials, craftsmanship, best-in-class warranty, Morton Buildings are made to last for generations. At Morton, the difference is in the details. From their cutting-edge innovations to their craftsmen in the field, they are dedicated to surpassing expectations. Their legacy of excellence spans more than 120 years, and Morton Buildings is 100% employee-owned with more than a quarter million satisfied customers. That means they're the industry leader you can trust. When you choose Morton, you'll experience quality at every step of the building process, starting before the walls even go up. Visit mortonbuildings.com to get started today. Chonguitos, like, oh, a little chonguito. It's it's a cariño, meaning it's just a sweet thing you would just say to your children. And you call them that because they're ripping and running, like black people say. They're bouncing around off the walls, just bouncing around, getting into mischief, like acting like little monkeys. You know what I'm saying? It's even It even hurts me. My, I, my stomach just jumped even saying it, right? So separate from the African-American slave experience, them on their own is something that they call their children. I told my wife before we had kids, if you ever <laughs> refer to my child as a chongo, as a chonguito, we fight, obviously not physically, of course, but I'm like, that's going to be, you, you are not allowed. You got to let that die, baby. That's got it. She's like, that's our culture. That's not mine. You are not allowed. You cannot call my child a little monkey. And I had to explain to her. These are race. These are these are racialized terms among black people. So you might hear among Latinos like they call their kids gorda, hey gorda, like you know what I'm saying, hey chongo, like they're talking to their own children in a sense that it's 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 ambiguous because in in a sense that like that's just a, a a term of endearment that they use for each other, right? Like how we would say like hard head. You know, a little hard head where it's like, um, you know, big head, hey, big head. Like, you know, it's a little less racist, but uh, it's a term. It's a term of endearment for them. And they calling us monkeys. So in this scenario, she's using the term knowing full well, you know, you talking about monkeys. You feel me? But the reason why it can roll off your tongue so easy is not as... Well, she's just openly racist. You know how certain words uh, and phrases just sound like either harsher or less harsh, depending on the language you use. Like it's just, you know what I'm saying? Some stuff just sounds worse when it's translated. There's There are those moments kind of happening among, like, like, you know, shagging. Like it's, it's just, what does that mean to us? You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's a carpet. You know, uh, unless you in, you know, London, fancy a fag. You know what I'm saying? Like, you talking about a cigarette. Like, it just, 
you know, obviously it's not a cuss word, but like this, the context can either make something more or less offensive. That being said, you might have an argument that would say that given just that phrase, it sounds worse in English. And I don't, I mean, I'm not a native Spanish speaker, but it, given the rest of the context, nah, she knew what she was saying. She was being racist. <laughs> don't get it twisted. But the thing is, if you're not careful, you might miss, especially if you're among Latinos, you might miss what was being said around there unless you've been around enough black people to know that like, yo, this is, this is unacceptable. Now, if you, Kevin DeLeon, do you check her if this is supposed to be like an off-mic discussion about coalition? Do you be like, yo, or do you know, all right, whatever, she just, she being extra. I don't know. There's been times that I've been in situations where some of the homies is being extra and I'm like, I feel like I know you better at the same time. Like, you can't be saying this. For in my scenario, it's when the homies be making like homophobic statements when it's like, oh, pause. You know what I'm saying? When everything you do, pause. It's like, all right, nigga, you know, we have to like let that die, homie. Like, you can't just be like, I know it's slang, but like, I need to start being like, hey, homie, like, what if it is gay? What's wrong with that? You know what I'm saying? Like, I have to learn how to like retrain the group text to be like, you can't just be, ayo, you can't just be making like these inferences to like gay stuff that's like ah oh that's gay i'm not gonna do that like you good we can't talk like that no more we've evolved you feel me now so you have this uh misunderstanding i'm trying to get into like the 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 tensions among black and brown communities you have this misunderstanding of these people don't understand us we don't understand as Latinos, you like, I don't understand why y'all y'all ain't figured it out yet. You know what I'm saying? You got all these opportunities here and you still in these projects. You know what I mean? They're like, we, nigga, we can't speak the language. That's why we stuck. You know what I mean? From their perspective and at home, you watching this television also that's clearly colorist and racist and is only reporting on black people in a certain way. And if you live in the projects, when you looking outside, it's like, that's all you seeing too. And then on top of that, you bring in your own colorism that came from, you know, Mexico. You know, have you ever heard the phrase, uh, like, it's basically, it's called advance the race. Like, you know, I've been saying like, so it's the idea of like, you have to marry white. You marry light, light skin. This is among, among Latinos because it advances the race. You feel me? So, because again, anti-blackness is global. You know what I mean? So like, this is already in a community. And at the same time, somebody's going to have enough sense to say, how is it, you know, Malcolm X's stuff, like, how is it, like, power will have you thinking that another poor person is your problem? You feel me? You wake up and you go, wait a minute, y'all can't possibly be the problem because you struggling the same way we struggling. Maybe we should work together. You getting beat up by the police. People started seeing the way we started getting treated by the police. The way it was like, damn, they treat y'all like they treat us. And we stuck in this same, it's the Willie Lynch theory. You know what I'm saying? You 
you stuck in this, we fighting over the same little mud pies. This shit ain't working. This can't work. But then they also see how black people organize. You have to remember, like, I'm going back 30, 40 years. You find out about the civil rights movement. You find out about the Black Panther Party. And then you get the Brown Berets. You know, you see what's happening all over the world, how the way we was talking was a lot more like, listen, black, brown, indigenous. You seeing on the other side of the country, you know, the way the Puerto Rican community was bonded. You, you feel me? You seeing how we organizing and we getting rights for everybody because it seemed like all the power and privilege was only going to like the white and the wealthy. At some point you like, okay, this shit, this, this starting to make sense. These black people telling us, hey, nigga, they not finna sell to you. You start seeing signs around the community, which was true during segregation at this time. It would say in this restaurant, black, Mexican and Jews prohibited. You started seeing like, oh, shit, they think we them. Oh, did we getting treated the same? Maybe we should do something about this. But before you was, was fighting over the same resources. Right now, black perspective after this. So the black migration into L.A. uh, post civil rights movement, you know, I've mentioned this before. My family came because of the Watts Towers projects because of things like redlining and laws around city zoning and who would sell to black people. All kinds of prejudice created this mecca in South Central Los Angeles. And I mean, like Harry Belafonte had a house over. You got to remember, there was Hollywood. You got Eartha Kitt. You had uh, Lena Horne. All these people had houses in L.A. You know what I mean? Right? Obviously, they were megastars, so that's different. You know, and that actually was crazy. It's like that black community now is where the 10 Freeway is, which is, you know, what they do. But this hub of black culture was developing because people post-Jim Crow, specifically from Texas, you know, Oklahoma and Arkansas, all came west. Right. And if you know black people are most of our families from L.A., our families are usually if you in San Diego, you in L.A., you in the Bay, like our families are oftentimes, you know, they from Texas, just like statistically. So for the most part, South Central Los Angeles, South L.A. was 80 percent black. Right. 80. And it was hard fought. Like you have to think about how hard we fought to gain political power, right? Power in the streets, power in this, you know, our own issues that we had among poverty and, you know, and just, just, just street life. Like this is LA, like it was black. Now South LA is 11% black. Like we just, whether it was gentrification that did the housing vouchers because we got priced out or it's just so many of them. Like, and I don't say this as like a diss. I'm saying, no, literally, there are so many. You, Los Angeles, South LA, Los Angeles, the percentage of, of Latino is 50. 50% Latino. That means everybody else is split among the other 50. There's just so many of them. So these areas, whether it was affluent 
all the way down again because black people stratified the entire things of class two was, you know, from the, from Nickerson Garden Projects all the way to Beverly Hills. We're in every part of culture also. We was in the streets. We created this sound. We made treasure out of trash. What black people do everywhere we go. You know what I'm saying? And then you get this influx of Latinos and you in the same hoods we are. At first, we was fighting over the same, again, fighting over the same resources, fighting over the same jobs. And then eventually we started realizing like, damn, they just like us. Right? Now that wasn't happening in the streets. Here's where the streets meets the politics. We was fighting for power. We was fighting for space, for representation. Who gets to control the street corners? And a lot of that spilled out, spilled into and back out of from jail. Right? Because, you know, jail, if you, if you, if jail is very racially divided. Right? A, a lot of our relationships in the streets were symbiotic in the sense that, like, the weight come from Mexico. It's coming from, whether it's the cocaina or the Mary Joanna, it come from down south. So it's like, well, I mean, we can make money together. You feel me? But I don't trust y'all. I don't fuck with them. Like you see some of these OGs, they like, oh, we don't fuck with the essays. Because they they own world. That's they side of town. This our side of town. And that's how you kept the peace. You know what I'm saying? We just lived segregated at first. But there's just so many. (laughs) And black people started seeing our space shrink. And you have to remember like, how long it took, whether it was redlining, zoning, all this stuff to finally have space and political power. Like it was hard fought only to finally get to the table to see now that the PTA meetings is in Spanish. And it's like, nigga, shit, like what have we been going through? So now we can't get no jobs. Now everybody talking about y'all situation. It's like, I mean, I get it. And then y'all got the nerve. And then for black people, y'all got the nerve to be racist against us too. It's like, well, shit, man. How the fuck you got something to say about us? Nigga, you just got here. You don't even know what the fuck you talking about. You don't even know what we've been through. Like, you in the same projects as us. Well, you think you better than us? Because it just wasn't working. You know, you know what I'm saying? So, like, you had this, these tensions that, like, 40 years of coalition building behind the scenes to create the type of beginnings of unity that, here, I'm going to argue had a lot to do with the L.A. riots. You know, the L.A. riots created the peace treaty among the Crips and Bloods for a little bit. And of course it fell apart, of course, right? But there was a light bulb that turned on among our communities that was like, oh, you know why that light bulb turned on? Because, watch this, because the police, they put their cars right north of the 10 freeway. Because once you get north of the 10 freeway, you where the money is. At least if, you, if you're looking at South Central Corridor, you on your way to Melrose and to Hollywood. So they was like, they could burn themselves down. People not stupid. You start realizing like we are underrepresented. Now you fast forward to now. It's true. The majority of local government is, is black. We're we are now what you would call by the numbers overrepresented. We're only 11%, but we make up two thirds. Like we make up most of the political power in Los Angeles. Why, nigga? It took us 150 years, man. But 
by sheer numbers of Latinos, while they only make up one third of political power. And so the question was, how do they get equal representation, but not at the cost of black people, right? There's a story in the LA Times about this young man who, uh, dude, this was Gord, yeah, Jorge Nuno. He was going to run for city council representing the ninth district. And he was actually, he built this like graphic design business really close to where I'm from, Vernon in Maine. It's, it's long story. Anyway, that's the side that my family's from. But when he decided to run for the ninth district, you know, a Latino dude grew up on that side of town. He heard a resounding, you can't run for that district. And who he heard it from was from his own OGs. The Latino power brokers, like the power brokers inside the city said, no, nah, you can't run for that. He was like, why? And they was like, we have an agreement to keep South L.A. black, which is like, what? It's because over 40 years, this coalition building of understanding that, listen, we need each other. The city is both of us. And you understand that, like. Our places to live or shrink, y'all everywhere. Joe said, and there's this understanding again, because black people are now overrepresented, though we understand that it can't just be about us. You know what I'm saying? Our, our liberation is connected to everybody's, right? Not to say that these black people are uh, altruistic in this situation. We ain't always innocent. You feel me? But historical places like, look, in my own, watch this, dude. When I first started dating my wife, there was a city called uh, Linwood that's in Southgate. It's this uh, sort of the southern corridor right next to Compton that, from what I knew, was a black neighborhood. Yeah, I hadn't been there in a lot of years. And when I started dating my wife, she said she was going to introduce me to her nephew. I was like, where does he live? Like, Linwood. I was like, yo, he live in Linwood with all those black people? She was like, what are you talking about? I was like, we talking about the same Linwood? Dog, I got off that freeway. It was a Carousel. It was a Northgate. It was an El Super grocery store. Like, I, there was no signs in English. It was I was like, when did this place? And for her, she was like, it's always been like this. And I was like, no, it hasn't. This was a black neighborhood. She was like, when? I was like, yeah, I thought my whole life. Just It's just numbers, right? So for these things to work and for us to have like equal rights and say among Los Angeles, we had to build these coalitions. And listen, the same thing happened in the streets. This was crazy. Like, we built these networks of like, yo, you mess with them, we mess with this, that's your part of town, that's your this, and then spilled into hip-hop, right? Into music, into culture. Like, listen, it is embodied in Tupac. And I hate to say it like this, but Tupac's our painted saint. Like, he just, we all love him. We share Tupac in, in styles and cultures. Like, listen... I can't tell you who got what from who, just even down to the way we dress. Nike Cortez, them shoes, right? The the dope man shoes. I think they're Mexican, right? Dickies, who wore Dickies first? I think the Cholos. White tees, but who had the flannels? Who had the gloves on the hand? Like Easy, he had the gloves on the hands. Did he get those from the Vatos? Vatos get that from us. Like our whole style of dress, the creased denims, you know, the, the the Levi jeans, I think those are the brothers. Those are the black dudes. We got the Dickies from them. They got the Dizzy. I don't know. 
it's symbiotic. Who knows who got what from? Because we've merged our cultures. We outside at the taco stand with the homie Pepe. You know what I'm saying? Like our our cultures. I don't know who got what. I look. Here's here's what's funny. When you listen to again all these like you know the shy lights and all this stuff that like all these vatos was listening to and they lowriders. I bet you a million dollars they didn't know all them bands was black people because my wife didn't know. She was like, they're all black. I was like, yes, that is soul music. It's all black music that's bumping out of these lowriders. Ain't that crazy? Like, our cultures over the years have had this beautiful exchange all to get blown up up under the surface. Now, finally, let's talk about what this means. For our survival, and especially in this election time, these are things we have to really think about. It's difficult. I, I, you know, there's a publication out here called LA Taco. It's an independent uh, journalism. This is a difficult story to cover because you have to be like, yo, just because you Latino, just because you Latina, Latina dad. I've been really bad on my uh, pronouns here. That don't mean you ain't racist. That don't mean you ain't got some stuff you got to deal with. Right? At the same time, you should have more representation. You feel me? But how do you do that that is not at the cost of other underrepresented people? But here's where it's complicated. Black people aren't underrepresented. At least in Los Angeles, it's complicated. So what did you do? Well, you did what LA has attempted to do for the last 40 years, build coalitions, do black and brown community community service things. Understand that whatever you provide for us, you provide for them and vice versa. That's why when you always hear me, it's always both of us because that's the experience here. And when you look in the streets, a lot of that gang shit, that's from jail. That's the old dudes. These young niggas don't play that unless they just still on their ignorance stuff. But there's an understanding that this coalition building has been very fragile and very difficult and very hard, hard fought. A lot of blood has been shed physically and metaphorically. But the way forward, if you were watching this, could not have been just black people going to city council and being like, yo, I can't believe y'all doing this. Now, from a black perspective, it was heart, it was heartbreaking. We thought we was cool. Matter of fact, and listen, listen, I'ma speak for black people, period. Like when you when you looking up and down the uh <laughs> when you looking up and down the ballot and you don't know who the person is. If you don't know if that person black, you just look for the Spanish surname. You look for the Rodriguez. You're like, oh, he probably cool. You know what I'm saying? Because we like, well, I mean, at least you get it. That's our perspective. It's like, well, you know, it's not the same, but I'd rather have one of them if it ain't going to be one of us. And this this put all that in, in, in question. But it also gave us a chance to revisit the types of unity among suffering people that could only lead to our success. 
And again, it couldn't have just been black people in an uproar. It's been dope to see the Latin community come together and say, we will not stand for this shit. Black love, brown pride to live and die in L.A. by me propaganda in east los Boyle heights los angeles california this mug was mixed edited mastered and scored by matt osowski i can totally say his name guys it was it was a shtick he's going by matt now again because he got into some legal situations with the name headlights y'all know common used to be called common sense y'all know tip ti was tip sometimes it happens executive produced by the one and only sophie lichterman for cool zone media and the theme music by the one and only gold tips gold tips dj sean p so y'all just remember listen every time you check in if you understand city living you understand politics we'll see y'all next week With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. Are you looking to build this year? If so, there is no better time than right now to start planning and to get your spot on the construction schedule. If you need a garage, a stall barn, a storage for vehicles, RV, boat, collectibles, or even a, a shop for your farm, hobbies, or car restoration projects, visit MortonBuildings.com and start your construction process. With superior materials, craftsmanship, best-in-class warranty, Morton Buildings are made to last for generations. At Morton, the difference is in the details. From their cutting-edge innovations to their craftsmen in the field, they are dedicated to surpassing expectations. Their legacy of excellence spans more than 120 years, and Morton Buildings is 100% employee-owned with more than a quarter million satisfied customers. That means they're the industry leader you can trust. When you choose Morton, you'll experience quality at every step of the building process, starting before the walls even go up. Visit mortonbuildings.com to get started today. 